the burden of the, Lord, the word of the Lord to Israel by Malachi. I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob. Look at verse 6. A son honoreth his father, and a servant his master. If I then be a father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord of hosts unto you? O priests that despise my name, and you say, wherein we despise thy name? They're impertinent, are they not? You offer polluted bread upon mine altar, God says to them, and you say, wherein have we polluted thee? And that ye, and that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. And if you offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it now unto thy governor. Will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts. And now I pray you, beseech God that he will be gracious unto us. This hath been by your means. Will he regard your persons? saith the Lord of hosts. That means you think he's just going to bless you because you're you? You know, hey, newsflash, we're not as special as we think. Hate to bust your bubble. Who is there even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Neither do you kindle fire on mine altar for naught. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord of hosts, neither will I accept an offering at your hand for from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same meaning from the east to the west shall my name be great among the Gentiles and in every place incense shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering from my name shall be great among the heathen saith the Lord of hosts but ye have profaned it for that ye say the table of the Lord is polluted and the fruit thereof even his meat is contemptible you said also, Behold, what a weariness it is, and ye have snuffed at it, saith the Lord of hosts. And ye brought that which was torn, and the lame, and the sick. Thus ye brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, saith the Lord? But cursed be the deceiver, which hath in his flock a male, and voweth, and sacrifices unto the Lord a corrupt thing. For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. Father, I'm thankful this morning for the word of God, the people of God, for the church of God. I'm thankful for the spirit that abides within us, that brings us together into one body. I'm thankful for his presence, his power, his touch. Lord, what a difference his touch makes in everything that we do. I'm thankful for the word of God that, um, that you inspired, that holy men of God wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And now I pray, Holy Spirit, as you were with Malachi when he penned this, be with us today as we seek to understand it. Touch our hearts. God, you know what we need. You know our potential, and yet you know our problems. So help us to be honest with ourselves, be honest with you, so that we may have, God, what we say we want. We may have what we need, Lord, to do the work, the great work that you've called us to do in this great day, that you've called us to do it in these days of perilous times. Lord, we need, we need you, and we need 
your spirit and your power. Now bless, Lord, your people, whether they're here or listening in. If there's anybody lost among us, convict them of their sins and convince them of their need of a Savior. God, stir us and help us to save from the heart when uh, the last benediction is given and the last amen said that it's been a good place to be. And we'll praise you. We'll glorify you because we're asking in that name that's above every name. In the name of Jesus, your Son, our Savior, and all of God's people said. I'm going to talk to you this morning a little while. I'm not going to reread any verse. I'm going to read a couple, Lord willing, as I go through this message. But I'm going to talk to you about this. Things that need revival. Things that need revival. Brother Steve, I believe, said something to this in the devotional America needs revival. Did you say that? Boy, I'll say amen to that. It was like God put pay him that stamp. He said, you're in the right place, the right message. We need revival. But look, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's look at ourselves. We can bring it down to Dunbar needs a revival. America does, but Dunbar, but wait just a minute. That's not close enough to me. You know what? RGT needs a revival. We boast in ourselves on some things we're doing, our scriptural stand, our biblical understanding. That's good. We ought to boast in things that's right in the right way. We ought to give the glory to God, but we ought to know who and what we are. That's not enough. Can I tell you what, friend, what we need to do? We need to take this message personal, and we need to say all of us, all of us individually, collectively, I need revival in my heart. And let me tell you what I believe the Lord's laid on my heart as to the kind of revival we need. When we get a look at the book of Malachi, even Malachi's name means the messenger, the message. And isn't it something when we come to this writing of the book of Malachi, it's the last message that God has given in the Old Testament. When he lays his pen down, God in heaven becomes silent for 400 years. I'm glad, thank God, that God meets with us from week after week and blesses us and, and lifts us up. Man, I'd hate to think that I'd have to go 400 years before I heard anything new from God. Think about that just a little bit. Malachi's message, friend, listen, was to a restored remnant of people um, that came back out of captivity after they went to Babylon for 70 and 70 years. By the time of Malachi's writing, they had been back in the land for about 100 years. The temple had been rebuilt. The walls had been reestablished. They had, they, they had been put up to provide safety and separation for God's people, safety from their enemies and, and, and separation from the world. And whether people like it or not, God's people are to be a separated people. I didn't get a lot of help on that real quick, but that's what we ought to be. Matter of fact, the Word of God demands that we are. And as we look at this passage, we find early on that, um, that though the message is to the nation of Israel, we see that in verse 1. He specifies the priest. Those are in the priesthood. Those are the tribe of Levi. Those that have been chosen out of all uh, the children of Israel to approach God. Hey, let me tell you how applicable this is to you and I. If you're saved this morning, say amen. Well, that means that we are priests 
and kings to the Lord. We're a peculiar people. We're lively stones. And you know what we've been called to do? We've been called to come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So listen, friend, this message is very applicable to all of us, friend. It gets close to us. And as Malachi opens his message, opens his writing, hey, listen, he talks about the burden of the word of the Lord. Can I tell you some messages are not easy to preach as well as some messages are not easy to hear. Now, I'm not sure what this message is going to be. I don't know whether it'll be hard to preach right now. I believe I could, I could preach on anything. It may be hard for you to hear, but let me tell you something. If your heart's right, if it does get close to you, you'll be glad. If it all misses you because your heart is right, then you can be glad. So we've got a choice. You can either be glad or glad. It's up to you. You see, the nation had a number of problems. And as he was Malachi getting ready to address this problem, he was thinking through how he would do it. So he knew that, that the uh, people that he would address would be responding back. They, they would be, like I said a minute ago, impertinent. I mean, to tell you, listen, friend, uh, it, isn't it something uh, how some people come back against God and, and, and speak to God? Hey, let me tell you something. Get it, and I'll mention it again in a little while. Holy and reverend is His name. We're talking about God. We brought God down too far, and God's been wanting to bring us up higher than we've ever been. It's not our job to bring God's God down uh, to us. Friend, listen, He's already sent His Son, and His Son was sent to bring us up to where God is. Boy, that's good preaching right there. That's good preaching right there. And I believe that Malachi does an amazing job pinpointing the question and he, and he, and he anticipates uh, the response. He anticipates uh, their questions so he gives a response to them. The biggest problem, now listen to this, this sounds strange. I believe this is the biggest problem in America today. The biggest problem that they were having in Israel that day uh, was, around the, uh, was around the idea of worship. Now listen, from the outside they were doing all the right things. But worship had eroded. It had eroded. It had come to the point that all of it was was rituals and following some time of, of liturgy. They were going through all the motions without any emotion. They were doing everything that the law of Moses prescribed. But it wasn't real. It looked good to men who were looking on the outside. But wait, here's the problem. It wasn't looking good to God who was looking on the heart. Hey, things that need revived. Maybe I could say in America, in Dunbar, in our heart here at Roxolana. You see, we're in a season of revival. And I'm glad that we are. Something good going on down Lone Oak. Man, I'm telling you something good. You say, what about Asbury? Hey, listen, for me, I have a lot of questions about Asbury. Let me tell you what I am going to rejoice in. I want to do what Paul said. Paul said, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Because he said, some people preach Christ to contention, other of something else supposing to add to my affliction. But Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. But wait just a minute. That's one of the questions I have about Asbury. They're not preaching Christ much. 
doing a lot of singing, doing a lot of praying. And FYI, y'all may not understand this, you may not like this, they're singing a lot of songs from people that produce a lot of songs that they ought not be singing. I told you you wouldn't understand it, but if you knew what we know about it, they'd say what, Josh? Thank you. We talk about it all the time. Hey, listen, you know, you know one of the marks, one of the great marks of the last day? One word that starts with D, it's deception. And man, listen, it's not going to get any better from here on in. Now listen, friend, I'll tell you what, I'm glad it's revival season. I'm glad churches have revival time. I'm glad we do. In fact, listen, as Steve's already told you, our revival, the Lord willing, will start Monday week. I don't know about you, I need a revival. I need stir. I need to hear some good preaching. I need to get closer to the Lord. I've never been so close, I didn't want to get closer still. You see, it's my conviction that revival is for the church. Evangelism may happen during a revival. You've had five saved make profession of faith, correct? Five to make profession of faith. We rejoice in that. But listen to what I'm going to tell you. You may question me, you think, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm smarter than I look. Amen. It's not worth much when I have to coax it out of you. But the revival is for the church. Now, evangelism should be the result of revival. That's not the main purpose for revival. If I understand the definition of revival and what went on in the, in the Word of God, I could show you that in the Word of God. It should produce, it should produce, no doubt, uh, evangelism without a doubt like Charles Finney said he's credited for saying this revival is a new beginning of obedience to God now let me ask y'all something before that gets cold how many of you all are 100% obedient to the things of God in your life don't answer but the altar is open anytime you're ready to pray about that none of us hit it 100% of the time Even the greatest baseball players, they strike out or don't get on base two-thirds of the time. Surely to God, we as God's people are more obedient than two or one-third of the time. But it is about obedience. Now let me tell you all something. How many of y'all believe I love you? Say amen. You all pay me to do things like I'm going to do right now. If you're a member of Roxalana Gospel Tabernacle and you're not sick and providentially hindered, you ought to be in the house of God. It's just that simple. I was thinking a while ago, the only pastor, the only shepherd that I know that's going to get all of his flock together is Jesus. When he calls them home, they'll not be the first one missing. If it's not vacation season, it's flu season. If it's not flu season, it's RSV. And now of all things, and I'm sick of it, we've got COVID. The coronavirus. I'm so sick of COVID corona. Listen, man, I don't want to. It's a two-finger gag. Can I leave it at that? Now listen, there may be things that, that I don't have on my list. It's a short list that I could, I could say, but, but, but time won't allow me to say everything that needs to be said. So I, I hope the things that the Lord, I believe the best I can discern, the Lord has led me uh, uh, to, to, uh, to 
present to you will stir our hearts and challenge our hearts. Listen, so that we might experience a revival. Let me tell you what it will demand, though. If we're going to, it will demand some repenting. Now I want to ask you a really stupid question. How many of you all, the favorite thing you do is to repent? (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. But you know what? It's, It's necessary to get the blessings of God. It's necessary to get from the wrong place to the right place. When the prodigal went back home, what helped him get there was he decided that he was in the wrong place. He came to himself. He had missed God's blessings. He had missed the Father's blessing. He had missed the food that the Father had, the protection, the comfort, all of those things. So when he came to himself, he said, I'm in the wrong place. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get back to the right place. And in getting there, I'm going to ask my Father to forgive me. Can I tell you, God's more willing for us to come back when we've moved just a little bit than we are to get back to Him. You say, preacher, you don't believe in backsliding, do you? Yeah, I just don't believe you can backslide if you're saved to lose your salvation. I believe that's impossible. But oh, I believe in backsliding. I'm no boast. I'm not boasting in this. I believe in it so much I've done it a few times in my own life. And so have you. Are y'all still praying? Look, let's be honest. As I've already said, as we look at America and the churches in America today, it seems kind of obvious to me, friend, um, that, uh, that, that there are some things that need to be brought back to life that have to do with the church that Jesus purchased with His blood, empowered by His Spirit, entrusted with His Word. Do you all know today in America... We're missing two great things. Y'all know what they are, and I could, I could list them all to do. I don't know what two things you've thought about, but two things that, that, that speak volumes. Number one, America's lost the ability to, to, to blush and to show shame. There's, listen, listen to what I'm going to say. There are many things that are still shameful in America. It's just that people have lost their ability to recognize that they ought to be shameful. That's a bad bad epithet on us and can I tell you those two things according to Jeremiah's writings are two of the great things that preceded the judgment that Almighty God poured out upon a people that he had chosen out from among all people let me tell you all some reason I said it that way America is not above being judged by God in fact he is judging her now we're under the judgment of God I don't have time to explain that. But it's not a question. Will we be judged? We are being judged. We are being judged. So my list, again, is, is short. And all the things I'm going to mention right here in the first chapter of the book of Malachi. But let me, let me lay the foundation for my four little things that I'm going to mention. Listen to what he said. Turn to the book of Proverbs 24, if you will. Or chapter 4, excuse me, look at 23. Proverbs 4 and 23. Now you've probably, if you're Bible readers, you mark your Bible, you've probably got this already marked, but, but if you don't, you mark your Bible, mark it, but please let it mark you. Listen to what the wise man says. And this verse, the, 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 the content of this verse, the idea of this verse, friend, is the foundational idea behind everything else I'm going to say. We've got to know this, got to have this. He said, keep thy heart with all of thy 
with all of thy diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You say, what are you saying, preacher? I'll probably say this again in just a little bit. Listen, friend, God knows what's in our heart, and really, at the heart of the matter is the heart. Y'all hear that? Out of the heart are the issues of life. Out of the heart are the issues of life. And boy, I could preach a little bit on what the Word of God says about our heart. Jeremiah 17 and 9 said it's, it's, wicked, and it's, it's uh, wicked, wicked and desperately. It's deceitful and desperately wicked. I get those backward all the time, 17 and 9. Then he asks a question, who can know it? In verse 10 he goes on to say, I the Lord, I try the reins. He's talking about our heart. Hey, listen, friend, the first thing I want to mention, and I'm not going to spend a great deal of time on any of these, we need a revival of love for God. Now, he doesn't mention that directly. He deals with love in chapter 2. God lets Malachi and the nation of Israel know that he loves them. That wasn't the problem. The problem was that Israel did not love him back, and unfortunately, that's no new problem in our day. It is not a new problem in, my, in our day. Now listen to what I'm going to tell you about this. The reason I believe God started with love, because I believe, as I said, out of the issue, the heart is, a, is, a, is the, it, the heart is the heart of the matter. It is the love. It is love for God, return to God because He loves us. The Bible said we love Him because He first loved us, John 4, 19. Love is the binding factor of all these other ingredients. Did y'all get that? How many of you women use eggs, maybe, to bind certain things in, in, in your baking process? How many of y'all put eggs in something to bind stuff together? Flour is a binder. You know, you know what that means? That means it holds it together. I'm going to tell you something, friend. We won't do anything for something we don't love. If we don't love right, we don't behave right, think right, act right, react right. Now look, this is one of the things that's impressed me about this church. I've studied about you all. I brag on you all. I tell people all the time, you're the best church I've ever been a part of, let alone have the privilege of pastoring. I talk about the ministry that you do, and we've already heard that. And it's good, and we ought to be involved in ministry. We ought to be known in the city. What a great testimony. We ought to get them to Sunday school if we can. We ought to get them to Wednesday night. There ought to be somebody that rises up, gets a burden, and says, I want to do something to go get those kids to bring them to Roxalana. I was afraid I'd hear crickets. But you see, somebody needs a revival in that. That's what I'm preaching about. I'll tell you the truth. I was praying about it after you called me, and I said, God, I'd go get them if I could. But I could only do so much. And for me to put on myself another burden of getting up an hour early on Sunday morning, I already started to get up at 4.30. Now I'm getting sold. I've got to make myself stay in the bed for that. A lot of times I beat the alarm clock. Y'all know what I'm saying? I couldn't imagine me having to have an hour going to get kids and bring, but I'd like to get them here. And if I wasn't preaching, bless God, I'd, I'd do that. I'd do that. So pray about it. There are things that need revived. 
And if we grow this church, friend, if it grows, we're going to be a part of it growth. But love is the binding thing. I tell people all the time, I said, you ought, to, you ought to see what people do, the quality of work that they do, how faithful they are to what they're doing. And they said, well, what's the key to it? I said, they just simply love the Lord. Are y'all ready? I'm going to get y'all into it. If you love the Lord, say amen. No, 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 no. Say it like you mean If you love the Lord, say amen. Try it again. If you love the Lord, say it like you mean it. Amen. What a privilege it is to love him back. And what a wonder it is for him to love us. But you know what? It's not just something he does. It's something that he is. Therefore, that's all he can do. He doesn't get up every morning, so I'm going to choose to love TK today, whether he's good or bad. He just automatically loves me, and I'm glad. I'm glad that he doesn't. Listen, in my opinion, love's the binding factor of all that I say in this message. You see, Malachi deals with corruption of the priesthood, second-rate service to God. And you know why? You know why the priests, they, they were going at worship in a very formal way. They, they, they were like robots doing things. They were functioning. They, they, were, they were going through a ritual. They were following a liturgy. They knew when to kneel, when to stand. They knew when to turn and when to sing, when to pray, when to raise their hands, when to go in, when to go out. But nothing they were doing was touching their heart. Can I tell you all this? Listen, if you come here and worship something in this worship, whether it be a song, a prayer, a testimony, a handshake, somebody saying I love you, whatever, the Word of God Something's wrong in your heart and you need a revival. Out your amen. I'm just telling you, friend, listen, we need a revival. How many of y'all believe we're in the last days? Say amen. We ought to be wanting to run all the way home, doing everything we can, gathering everything we up uh, we can. Y'all, y'all, you, you girls miss, I'm telling you, not being a little boy. When you're little. I mean to tell you, it was so much fun to see what you could put in some of your blue jean pockets. Mom didn't like it, especially when there was worms and rocks, dead beetles and bugs. You know what I'm saying? Boys are fascinated with anything. And for the record, no snakes in my pockets. All right? Anyway, I I, I get sidetracked. Listen, we loved him because he first loved us. It's nothing unusual for men, listen now, to be religious, to have a form of something. But that's the problem in America today. In the days of perilous time, 2 Timothy 3, 5 said they will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. Listen, y'all watching things on YouTube, some of these, quote, big mega churches and how they're acting, and they're having what... It's called, is it Kundalini experiences? And they think that it's spiritual things. It's not from heaven. It's a spirit, but it's not the right spirit. Can I tell you, friend, listen, man is religious to the wazoo. I mean to tell you, but, but, but listen, worship is more than bringing the right sacrifice to the right place at the right time, even shedding tears and weeping. It's far from, uh, uh, from pretending to worship, bless God, and that's all it is, pretending, if it doesn't manifest the truth of our heart. 
Look what he said in the book of Matthew, chapter 15 and 8. There's a bunch of this. This people draw an eye to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. People can come and give their shibboleths and, and give their testimonies and offer their praise. But I'll tell you what, friend, if it doesn't originate in the heart, because we're thankful that God has saved us and redeemed us, if our worship isn't about Him and for Him, if it doesn't come from thanksgiving, I mean, if it's about us, and if we want to be seen and heard, hey, keep your seat, keep it in your mouth, because it's sure not coming out of the right place of your heart. That's good preaching, too. You see, the truth, this truth is seen in the Pharisees. If you look at the Pharisees, and I'm going to move on after making this statement. If you look at the Pharisees, no wonder Jesus had so much trouble with them. They were religious, but that's all they were. They followed the law of Moses to the, to the letter, but here's the key. They missed the heart of God who gave the law to Moses. There was a man, unnamed, who had two sons. We understand him to be the prodigal son's father, but can I tell you that man had two prodigal sons. One left home and proved it. The other proved it by staying home. Neither of those boys knew the father's heart. I believe one learned it. and The other one, I'm afraid, never did. You see, we need a revival in love. Let me give you a verse of Scripture. I like Mark 12, 28 or 29 and 30. When one of the scribes, maybe, or Pharisee, I forget which, it was in that Q&A thing that Jesus was doing in Matthew 22, Mark 12, they were asking Jesus questions, and maybe the, maybe the I forget, y'all read it. I could go there, but I'm going to take time. They asked him, what's the first and great commandment? And Jesus said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all, not with some of it, not with most of it, but with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. Matthew gives three things. Mark gives four things. You know what that's saying? We're to love God with all our being, hold nothing back, give Him all that we are. Because, let me give you this newsflash, it's all His anyway. Turn, get refreshed with Romans 12.1, and then I'll move on. I told you I was moving on after I said that, but I can only follow the leadership of the Spirit. Look at Romans 12 and 1. Y'all know this scripture. I, I, I want to keep saying this till people begin to give it. Hey, listen, all God wants from us, I'll agree to this is a reasonable service. But can I tell you what Paul does? Paul lays out what a reasonable service is. He said in chapter 12, verse 1 of the book of Romans, I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, that means us, the church, the redeemed, the saved, I beseech thee, brethren, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, I think it's H-O-L-Y, right? But when we begin to think about it, when we present our body like they would present a burnt sacrifice in the Old Testament, the big difference is in the New, that we're not dead, we're living. That means we're to hold nothing back, so it's H-O-L-L-Y, holy, completely. Y'all get that? That is a reasonable service. When we crawl upon the altar and say, okay, God, you can have all of me, all of me, my heart, my soul, my mind, and my strength, it's yours. You're looking on. You belong to this church or any other church. If you're listening in on sermon audio, you belong to a place. And you say you love God. And you could be there on church times and you don't. You need a revival. Y'all should have amen to me to where they could have heard it. Y'all are chicken or under conviction yourself. I'm just telling you. 
Now, I know nobody can be here 100% of the time. I get sick. I like to go on vacation. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to tell you the truth. When I'm not here, I want to be. I've seen too many people as a pastor over the years do one or two things. Some of them that didn't come weren't faithful and they got old regret that they didn't. I've seen that time and again, haven't we, Debbie? We talked to them. And I've seen people like mine and Doug's mom that when she got sick, because she did go when she could, she regretted that she couldn't. She missed it. Patsy Young's listening. I'll mention her. I talked to her. Debbie and I text with her and, and talk to her and check on her. And that, that lady seems like everything comes down the canyon. It gets off at her house and, and, and stays all night with her. I mean, she battles something all the time, so we need to pray for her. Hey, listen, folks. Listen, we may need a revival of the love of God in our hearts. And look, and now I'm going to move on. Thank you, Lord. I will move on after this. And look at Revelation, the first church, the church of Ephesus, that Jesus addressed and wrote a letter. He said, look, the problem you've got is that you've left your first love. It's a choice. And you know how to get it back? Repent and redo. You repent that you've left your first love. You see, leaving is a choice. It's a choice. Uh, something else got in the way, something else moved in, we begin to love something else more than God. And a lot of times it's good things, isn't it, Josh? A lot of times good things get in the way of the best things. Don't we preach that? But we repent and then redo our first works. Well, in my opinion, folks, we need a revival of love. Then we need a revival of the fear of God. Look at verse 6. A son honored his father, serving his master. If I then be your father, where is mine honor? If I be a master, where is my fear, saith the Lord? O ye priests that despise my name, and you say, wherein have we despised thee? I'm afraid today, friend, listen, that we are too much, uh, too little about the fear of God and too much about the love of God. Y'all getting quiet on me. I must have hit some things a few minutes ago. You see, listen, friend, we, we, we need to hear about the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. But we ought to have a healthy biblical understanding of what the fear of God is all about. So let me give you two things. And I learned something studying on this. Psalm 111 and 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 1 and 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So right there you've got knowledge and wisdom. This is what I'm going to tell you, what the Lord told me. If I understand this right at all, it means if we fear the Lord, if we fear the Lord, it means having a good, healthy Bible, understanding the fear is foundational to everything else that has to do with wisdom and knowledge. Wow. If I understand this right, if we have the fear of the Lord, it means we have a good, healthy, biblical fear of God which is the foundation to everything else that has to do with wisdom and knowledge. Can I tell you all something according to Hebrews 10, 31? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. You see, that's why I was saying a while ago, I knew where I was going in the message, and I said, we have a tendency in this generation, maybe every generation, to bring God down. That's not our job. That's a problem in a lot of places now. They belittle God. They've lessened God. They've made Him something that He is not. 
They've tried to form really. Uh, instead of change God, they've tried to create a new God into their own likeness and their image. And we'll see that as we study the book of Romans. When it's not our job to bring God down. I told you before and I'll tell it to you again. Jesus came down to bring us up to where God is. That's his job, not, not ours. You see, God is love, but He's also a God of judgment. He's also a God of wrath. He's also a God of holiness, friends. And one of these days, if you're lost, let me, let me tell you something. If you're lost, you ought to dread the thoughts about standing before this holy God someday, give an account of what you did with Jesus, and dread the fact that when you say, I rejected him, you hear him say, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fires. See, that's why I'm saved. I, 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 April the 23rd, 1974, I stand in my backyard leaning on my rake, looked like I worked for the state of West Virginia. And I knew if I died that way, I'd go to hell. And I thought, man, I don't want to do that. It scared me. Spirit of God got in to see me, got under conviction. And you know what? I believed him. I knew he was right. I went to a little church down the road. I got on my knees that very evening, said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And he was, and he still is. Glory, hallelujah. We need a revival of the fear of God you see, for the saved, let me tell you what that means about fear. We don't have a dread towards God. We have a desire to please God. We have a desire to obey Him and honor Him. And we need to remember that the writer in Hebrews said this about a man by the name of Noah. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. He goes on to say he became the heir of, of, of salvation or something like that. The sinner, you ought to dread facing God. It ought to scare the bejeebies out of you. For the saint, you ought to have a desire, bless God, that gets you out of bed on Sunday morning and gets you to the house of God. It's my opinion that we need a revival of the fear of God in our land. We need a revival of reverence for God in our land. Let me go on and read 7 and following. You offer polluted bread upon mine altar. You say, wherein have we polluted thee? In that ye say, the table of the Lord is contemptible. If ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not? For even if ye offer the lame and the sick, it is not evil. Offer it now to thy governor. We'll be pleased with thee, except thy person, saith the Lord. You know what? He is saying, you know that even your people that expect you to be taxed, they're not going to accept second rate, so what do you think I'm going to can I tell you the problem? One of the big problems in America today, we don't reverence the things of God. Y'all look down in our parking lot. I don't know who did it. We need to pray for this person. Somebody striped our parking lot. Didn't cost us a dime with black stripes. Somebody that needs the Lord, that has no reverence of the things of God, got on our parking lot and decided to do a great big donut down there. Now, that's a testimony on our day. I had no idea that I'd use that as an illustration for this. I mean to tell you, friend, listen, when I was young and I'd walk past the church of God somewhere, a building, you know what I'm talking about? Man, I'd straighten up a little bit when I went past it. I, I mean, I, I'd never think about bringing certain things into it, saying certain things once I got in it, acting certain ways, bless God, when I got in there. Listen, this is a holy place. 
dedicated to a holy God, has a holy purpose. His people ought to treat it that way. That's good preaching. Somebody said, y'all, what are you going to do? You're going to make that a multi-purpose building? I said, no, sir, no, ma'am. All we're going to do is worship God in that place. Hey, man. Now, the Antichrist can use for anything he wants after he pays off the rest of the mortgage, but this is a house of the Lord, the house of prayer. We ought to come in our best. We ought to be our best. We ought to act our best. We ought to give our best. We ought to do our best. When we get here, somebody please say amen. This is the house of the Lord. It's not your living room. It's not Walmart. It's the house of the Lord. It's a holy place. He makes it holy. It's been set aside for Him. He's given it to us. But it's all about Him. Let me tell you something else where where we need to learn how to honor and reverence God. It's in some of the things that God's people say. I hate hearing, Oh my God. You fill in the blank. OMG. Do y'all know what the Word of God says? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, for God will not hold him guiltless that does. If you've got a habit of saying, Oh my, you fill in the blank, listen, friend, you need to repent. Don't you take, listen, don't you flippantly take the Lord and you, well, the Lord this and God that. Be careful. Y'all hear me, be careful. I, I'm telling you, be, be careful. I'm not going to spend much time on that. Maybe I should. You know what else? We, 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 need, we, need to, we need to reverence this book. I'm so sick of people changing it. We're up to like 400 different versions on it right now. You know what people are trying to do? They're trying to change the Word of God to suit them. You know what? God's done something. God's written a book to change us in a way that it'll suit, he'll, we'll suit Him. That's what it's all about. Let me give you another one and I'll quit. We need a revival of obedience to God. Those verses that I read, and some of you had come into the temple and didn't know anything, said, so, well, man, look, there, man, worship's prospering here. Look at all those sheep. Look at all those rams. Look at all those goats. But you know what? Not ready yet, Judy, so slow down. Uh, you, you, you know what? They looked at them and they found that they were scurvy. Matter of fact, they, some, of them, some of them got up that morning that, that they brought sacrifice to the temple. And they said, men, listen, this old cow's about gone. I'm, I'm going to run to the temple and give it to God real quick. Giving him leftovers, giving him seconds. You know what? God deserves, and I even go so far, demands our best. God demands our best. Listen, friend, he demands our obedience. Can I tell you? And I'm willing in this way down. This is the book of commandments, not suggestions. I don't understand all of it, but I believe every word of it. I wish I was a better communicator of it. I wish I could do greater, clear exposition of it. And I'm always working to improve. It may not seem like it to you. But I put a lot of time in this message, a lot of work, a lot of effort in this. Everyone I do, I do. Let me tell you something. Listen, we can never give God too much. Can I ask y'all something? 
I tell you all, I prepare to come to church to preach to you all. Do you all prepare to come and listen? Now, I mean that. I'm not being facetious. I'm not being small. I'm, I'm, I'm being honest. You can prepare by not listening to the news before you come on Wednesday night. You don't need that trash in your head. You can prepare by spending maybe five minutes in reading a psalm, spending a moment or two in meditation, getting your heart right. Hey, newsflash, devotional isn't intended to get you ready to worship. It's a time that gives you liberty to worship. I remember when I learned that as a young Christian. But i got to move on. We're not to decide whether we'll obey God depending on whether it's a big commandment or small commandment, whether it's a great expectation or a little expectation. L- listen, listen to what Saul told Samuel in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 15 after he, obeyed to, uh, uh, to, after he failed to obey God in all things. Samuel said, listen, has God a great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices in the voice of the Lord? Behold, obey is better than sacrifice and hearken than the fat of rams. You know what? It would be better to come to the temple in the day of Malachi and bring a turtle dove than it would have been to bring an ox that was sick. Bring a turtle dove with the heart was right rather than an ox if the heart was wrong. Okay, Judy, I'm ready. Remember verse 6 of our text says, A son honors his father, a servant his master. A son honors his father because he loves him. It goes right back to what I said. Love is the binding factor. But wait, there's a fear factor too. If we lack a little bit in love, God says, now look, a servant will obey his master because he wants to honor him, because he fears him. A master deserves our honor. It's due him. He's in a position. She is in a position above us. We honor that position. I have learned if I cannot honor who sits in the Oval Office in Washington, D.C., I can always honor the position they fill, the position they occupy. So a servant will serve his master because he respects him and fears him. And he may fear him for what he might receive for being disobedient. So if we're sons of God, if we're servants of the Most High God, let's be honest, don't you think God deserves our best? It's in my opinion that we need a revival of obedience to God. Told you Melissa would be short. There's so many things that maybe could be said, should be said. Maybe I didn't even mention anything on your list. Nothing that you thought about, but I'll tell you what. You know what's maybe absent in your heart. You know maybe what's in your heart that should be absent. I don't know what that is. Here's what I'm going to tell you. If you need to pray, the altar is open. I'm going to ask you to do that. You know, your attitude may be the problem. I can't wait to get to 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and look at Notice that second. You've never been there when we talk about the sins of the flesh and the spirit. Never mind. Listen, it's hey, we, we, we get on things like the sins of the flesh, fornication and drunkenness and all those kind of things. But I'm going to tell you what, 
There's sins of the Spirit too, a bad attitude, putting yourself above everybody, being critical to just anybody and everything. You just hang everybody else out. Now listen to me. If everywhere you go, everybody else is wrong, it may not be everybody else. If you're going everywhere and hey, you got the same problems everywhere you go, you might ought to go somewhere look in the mirror. And I'm talking about the Word of God. Turn to James chapter, the book of James. Just read all five chapters. But do you need a revival? Every head bowed. Every head bowed. Nobody looking around.